Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 4, Episode 20. This week we are talking about 1981's The Evil Dead. With Joe. I want to get out of here. I want to leave this place right now. Right now, Ashley. Yeah, truly amazing. And Sam. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Book of the Dead to my ash. I, that's what I do for you, buddy. I think about you. Sam right now is getting coffee right now, so I'm going to just push on through this. This week, Sam and I are talking our own franchise for nomination into the franchise genre. Sam Raimi's Evil Dead franchise, long overdue. We are starting with The Evil Dead. Yes, please. Uh, today and in the upcoming weeks we will discuss each of the evil dead movies and decide whether the series belongs in the pantheon of franchise movies now the pantheon for the horror films is comprised of seven and only seven films also at number one is jaws with a perfect score followed by the exorcist with a perfect score then number three is it chapter one with a b plus number four is the cabin in the woods with a b plus Number five is Poltergeist from 1982 with a solid B, as is The Ring from 2002 with a solid B. And finally, in the seventh spot is Mother, which we'll see if this movie can kick Mother out of this pantheon because I just don't think it deserves to be there. Uh, I'm curious to see where the Evil Dead movies fit in this group right here. Uh, you know, I think really Evil Dead 2 is going to be in the top list. This is still my evil dead Two. is still my favorite out of all these films. Yeah. Even though army of darkness is a classic in itself. I was gonna say army of darkness is up there, <laughs> <laughs> but I was looking at Sam Raimi's, uh, work that he's done at least directorial and, uh, acting. This was his first film. This was his first film. His, fir his first released film, but he had, did he direct Spider-Man? Yeah. He's the Spider-Man, the, the Tobey Maguire. Yeah. That's his trilogy. That's why there's so many Sam Raimi tropes in it. Oh, oh yeah. The yeah, Dr. Octopus like, scene is all Raimi evil dead. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, uh, there's even a callback to a chainsaw on it. <laughs> Don't breathe. Which is awesome. Which is amazing. Uh, get, uh, get the hell out. Is that it? Or, no, Don't Drag Me to Hell. Don't Drag Me to Hell. Another awesome, gross movie. Or, no, Drag Me to Hell, sorry. Yeah. Um, Poltergeist. Uh, the new one, was he a producer? I think he produced that one. Uh, um, who was... Um, the Conjuring, uh, John Woo. James Wan. James Wan. I thought he did that. James Wan did the Poltergeist? Produced. No, produced. I don't think Sam Raimi directed that one. All right. Yeah. yeah he produced The Jungle Book, the new one. Yeah, yeah. He's all over the place. Yeah, he's, he's got his name everywhere. Uh, now, the higher the grade we give this movie, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its ass from the Pantheon in the future. Uh, this is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen The Evil Dead, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. Now that we've handled that business, let's get to our movie of the week. This week, we are talking about the 1981 The Evil Dead, a movie made for $350,000 that raked in a whopping $2.6 million. <laughs> <laughs> it was rated X. Really? Yes. It was rated X in 
1981 standards, probably rightfully slow. Uh, nowadays, it's an NC-17, but that's just recently, because I know last year it was still X on IMDb. What? Yes. Uh, written and directed by news to me. Sam Raimi, uh, starring Ellen Sandelweiss as Cheryl, in case you were wondering what she's done since then. Uh, nothing. Richard DeManincourt as Scott, and in case you're wondering what he's done lately, maybe as a stunt double for Harrison Ford. I don't know. Uh, Betsy Baker as Linda. Uh, nothing after this. Teresa Tilly as Shelley. Uh, nope, sorry. And Bruce Campbell in his first theatrical appearance as Ashley J. Williams, or as we know him affectionately, Ash. We're going to jump into our next segment called Inception to Perception, where I dig deep into the research, find out how the movie started as an idea, and it made its way into the big screen, and it's very much a a Hicksa village to raise a child. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell grew up together, and they had been friends since they were very, very young. Together, they put it put together a bunch of low-budget, super 8-millimeter film projects, mostly comedies, which I totally understand. One of these movies was called It's Murder, and a scene in the film inspired Raimi to try the horror genre. Hey, why not? He decided to do a short film first, gain interest from producers, and then use the money from the interest to do a full-length project. Kind of like doing a demo. You know, you make a demo tape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the film he chose to do was called Within the Woods. The short film was produced for $1,600, but for The Evil Dead, Raimi knew he would need over $100,000. I'm wondering where that money went. <laughs> so to get the funding, Ramey went around asking various people for donations and even begged some. Bruce Campbell asked some of his own family members for money, and eventually they raised enough money to produce the full-length film. They decided to make their, film, their full movie, titled at the time, Book of the Dead. The film was supposed to be a remake of Within the Woods, and Ramey had just turned 20 years old. And a star was born. 20 years old. 20 years old. Yeah. In the middle of film school in Detroit. Uh, With production underway, Bruce Campbell snagged the lead role because he's the best friend. Of course he is. Uh, I was kind of surprised Ted Raimi's not in this, but maybe he was like 14 at the time. (laughs) This was shot in Tennessee. Morristown, Tennessee. We're going to get there. Don't worry, because we need to make a pilgrimage, my friend. Yes. (laughs) Uh, To acquire more... To to acquire more actors for the movie, Raimi put an ad in the Detroit News. Betsy Baker and Ellen Sandelweiss, who respectively played Linda and Cheryl, answered the call. The crew for the shoot was mostly Raimi and Campbell's friends and family, and the makeup advisor, Tom Sullivan, was brought on from his work on Within the Woods. So it was very much, hey, guys, let's just make a movie. (laughs) The film was shot in Morristown, Tennessee, since apparently Tennessee was the only state that expressed any enthusiasm for the project. Michigan would not allow them to shoot it there, even though it was supposed to take place in Michigan. Hold up. The Bible Belt. Uh-huh. The Bible Belt buckle. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah, no, this is 80. It, early, 81, yeah. 81. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during, during pre-production, the 13 crew members had to stay at the cabin with several people sleeping in the same room and animosity growing because of the close quarters. It's... This is so cool to hear about. Like, they don't make movies like this anymore. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, this is kind of like... This, this is, is kind of like the Fleetwood Mac kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're they're going through divorce. They're sleeping with each other. They're, they're doing cocaine. You can hear their... 
It's a holiday road. Pain and screams (laughs) on the album. (laughs) Because of the cruise inexperience, filming was a, quote, comedy of errors. The first day of filming led to the crew getting lost in the woods during a scene shot on a bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Several crew members were injured during the shoot, and because of the cabin's remoteness, securing medical assistance was a little difficult. One notably gruesome moment on set involved ripping off Baker's eyelashes during removal of her face mask. (laughs) That's a horror movie in itself. Because of the low budget, contact lenses as thick as glass had to be applied to the actors to achieve the demonic eyes effect. Now, you've dealt with having to put in contacts. Never. (laughs) I've never done that. Never will. I will wear glasses until the day I die. The lenses took 10 minutes to apply and could only be left on for about 15 minutes because eyes could not breathe with them applied. Campbell later commented that to get to the effect of wearing these lenses, they had to put Tupperware over their eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Raimi developed a sense of mise-en-scene coming up with ideas for scenes at a fast rate. In other words, they didn't have a script. They just went with it. He had drawn several crude illustrations to help him break down the flow of scenes. Uh, 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 to build, uh, the crew was surprised when Raimi began using Dutch angles during shots to build atmosphere during scenes. To accommodate Raimi's style of direction, several elaborate low-budget rigs had to be built since the crew could not afford a camera dolly. One involved the Vaza cam, which relied on a mounted camera that was slid down long wooden platforms to create a more fluid sense of motion. And this is the Evil in the Woods shot which is iconic now. Anytime that anybody sees this in a movie, they just go, that's from Evil Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Great. A camera trick used to emulate a steady cam inexpensively was the shaky cam, which involved mounting the camera to a piece of wood and having two camera operators sprint around the swamp. (laughs) During scenes involving the unseen force in the woods, watching the characters, Raimi had to run through the woods with the makeshift rig himself, (laughs) jumping over logs and stones. This often proved difficult due to the mist in the swamp, which apparently was real. Yeah. (laughs) The film's final scene was shot with the camera mounted to a bike while it was quickly driven through the cabin to create a seamless long take. I'm wondering if Bruce got out of the way in time. (laughs) (laughs) Ramey had been a big fan of the Three Stooges franchise during his youth, and it inspired him to use, quote, fake shimps during production. In any scene that required a background shot of a character, he would use another actor as a substitute to save time if the original actor was preoccupied. <laughs> During a close-up involving Richard Demanicor's hand opening a curtain, Raimi used his own hand in the scene since it was more convenient. His brother, Ted Raimi, was used as a substitute in many scenes when the original actor was either busy or preoccupied. So Ted did make his way into this movie. <laughs> Uh, Raimi famously en- famously enjoyed torturing his actors. I'm sure. This is the second movie where a director has pretty much tortured his actors that we've done. The Exorcist yeah, was the Exorcist first one. one. <laughs> Raimi believed that to capture pain and anger in his actors, he had to abuse them a little at times. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Saying, quote, if everyone was in extreme pain and misery, that would translate into a horror. Acting, they said. It'll be great, they said. It'll be fun making a movie, they said. <laughs> Go to Hollywood. <laughs> Go to Hollywood. Producer Robert Tappert agreed with Raimi, commenting that he, quote, enjoyed when an actor bleeds. <laughs> while, sh- while shooting a scene with Campbell running down a hill, Campbell tripped and injured his leg. Raimi enjoyed poking Campbell's injury with a stick he found in the woods. <laughs> 
I want footage of this. <laughs> because of the copious amounts of blood in the film, the crew produced gallons of fake blood with car- caro syrup. It took Campbell hours to remove the sticky substance from himself. Several actors had inadvertently been stabbed or thrown into objects during production also. <laughs> no wonder they didn't do a movie ever after this. <laughs> They're like, I, this is not the process I want to go through if I'm working on movies. <laughs> no! Uh, over the next few days the, on the set, the conditions had become so poor that the crew began burning furniture to stay warm. <laughs> Since only exterior shots needed to be filmed at that point, they burned nearly every piece of furniture left. <laughs> Where did you find this story? It gets better. <laughs> Several actors went days without showering, and because of the freezing conditions, several caught colds and other illnesses. <laughs> Campbell later described the filming process as nearly, quote, 12 weeks of mirthless exercise and agony, though he allowed that he did not man- he did manage to have fun while on set. Well, of course he did. Doesn't sound like anybody else did. No. <laughs> On January 23rd, 1980, filming was finished and almost every crew member left the set to return home, with Campbell staying with Raimi. While looking over the footage that had been shot, Raimi discovered that a few pickups were required to fill in missing shots. Four days of reshoots were then done to complete the film. The final moment involved Campbell having monster guts splattered on him in the basement. After the extensive filming process, Raimi had a mountain of footage that he had to put together. He chose a Detroit editing association where he met Edna Paul to cut the film. Paul's assistant was Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. What? Who helped with the film's editing. Paul edited a majority of the film, although Cohen notably edited the shed sequence. Wow. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Cohen had been inspired by Raimi's Within the Woods and liked the idea of producing a prototype film to help build the interest of investors. Joel used the concept to make Blood Simple with his brother, Ethan. And he and Raimi became friends following the editing process. This movie goes so far into Hollywood, like just (laughs) roots. This movie's got roots. This movie, if you just hear the making of, you go, it's an A. Yeah, no, I've already changed my grade. Have you really? (laughs) (laughs) I already have. This is amazing. It's amazing in the fact that this is what it took to not (laughs) go through Hollywood to get this made. Yeah. Because we're not even at the distribution figure. Oh, boy. The film's first cut ran at around 117 minutes, which Campbell called an impressive achievement in light of the 65-minute length of the screenplay. It was then edited down to a more marketable 85 minutes. Raimi was inspired by the fact that Brian De Palma was editing his own film, Blowout, with John Travolta at the same sound facility. One of the most intricate moments during editing, it was a stop-motion sequence where the corpses melted, which took hours to cut properly. It's a long scene, too. Yeah. Uh, The film had unique sounds that required extensive recording from the crew. Several sounds were not recorded properly during shooting, which meant the effects had to be redone in the editing rooms. Uh, dead chickens were stabbed to replicate the sounds of mutilated flesh, and Campbell had to scream into a microphone for several hours. Only $2.6 million, everybody. $2.6 million at the box office that year. Much like Within the Woods, the Evil Dead needed to be blown up to 35 millimeters than the industry standard to be played at movie theaters. The relatively large budget made this a much simpler process with the Evil Dead than it had been with the short film. The film's release was met with controversy. Raimi made the film as gruesome as possible with neither interest in nor fear of censorship, which led to the film's receiving an X rating and being named a, quote, video nasty. Nasty. Yeah. Is that dirty enough for you? 
<laughs> yeah, daddy. Films of this label were quite violent and disturbing, and the rating was often held by pornographic and other X-rated films. While The Evil Dead was not pornographic in nature, it was considered one of the most violent films of its time, and censors had issues with the film's content, which impacted some of its commercial potential. The film is called the, quote, number one nasty in a nod to its status as both a nasty and the year's best-selling video release. Writer Bruce Kawin described The Evil Dead as one of the most notorious splatter films of its day, along with Cannibal Holocaust and I Spit on Your Grave. The film was and is still banned either theatrically or on video in some countries. Have you ever seen Cannibal Holocaust? Yes. Are we doing that one? No. Okay. <laughs> now that we've gone over all that, do you remember the first time you saw this? Honestly, I cannot remember um i i remember when i was a kid my dad was making dinner and i flipped on the tv to army of darkness and it was the scene where he's in the pit oh yes so i'm you know my i'm just glued to this tv (laughs) i can't believe what's going on right and i'm laughing (laughs) and he walks in and he just starts laughing too <laughs> and I mean, as uh, if if you know my dad, he's like, "Oh my god, this shit's so stupid." Oh yeah, but that was the point. Yeah, that's the point exactly. But that's that's the first time I was introduced to Ash, mm-hmm. and then I remember I watched Evil Dead Two because I was told to watch that one. Yes, and then along the ways, I think in college I watched Evil Dead, but mm-hmm. Evil Dead Two just it just sticks with me. I was definitely in college. Uh, I had seen Army of Darkness with my friends, uh, and I loved it. And I was like, they need to make a sequel to this. Because remember, at the end of that movie, it sets it up for a sequel. Oh, yeah. And I was like, there needs to be a sequel for this film. This is amazing. And then my uncle was a massive horror fan. He was like, if you liked that, you'll love Evil Dead. And I was like, okay. And I sat down and watched Evil Dead. I was like, this sucks. And a few years later, I watched Evil Dead 2. And I was like, this is just Evil Dead. But better. Yeah, Evil but, Dead 2.0. And then I watched Army. Then I started. Then I got it, a, a lot of years passed. I learned to appreciate the movie yeah. from talking to people, not by watching it. And then uh, Ash versus Evil Dead hit stars. And I was like, well, this is the Bruce Campbell I want to see, you know, the Army of Darkness version of him. And it has so many callbacks to the original Evil Dead. I was like, okay, I need to see the original Evil Dead and all that again. And I was like, okay, I get it now. I get it now. I still need to watch. Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Ash vs. the Evil Dead is brilliant. That's what I hear. Yeah. Let's get into the synopsis. I know now that my wife has become host to a Kandarian demon. I fear that the only way to stop those possessed by the spirits of the book is through the act of bodily dismemberment. I would leave now to avoid this horror, but for myself, I, I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods, and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected through this book sure to come calling for me okay uh let me think um it's a seven what suit um diamonds Uh, no no no, wait um hearts oh my god seven of hearts you're right (laughs) hey ash i guessed the card right yeah truly amazing linda i don't know i don't know but i think it's really some sort of extra sense or something you know like esp okay try this okay um it's a seven i don't believe it of space (laughs) Queen of Spades. Four of Hearts. 
Eight of spades. Two of spades. Jack of diamonds. Jack of clubs. Why have you disturbed our sleep? Awakened us from our ancient slumber. You will die! Like the others before you. One by one we will take you. Five Michigan State University Spartan students, Ash Williams, his girlfriend Linda, Ash's sister Cheryl, and their friend Scotty and girlfriend Shelly venture into rural Tennessee, bullshit there in Michigan, to vacation in an isolated cabin for their spring break. Uh, <laughs> you don't wear why shirts. Would it, why would anybody... No, look, <laughs> I have ties with people from Michigan. Yeah, I'm right here. You go north. Yes, right? you, you go, go north. north. Yep. You don't come down to Tennessee. We go up north, or we fir- we go as far as midway through Ohio, and then we realize we're in Ohio and we go back up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they venture into rural Michigan to vacation in an isolated cabin for their spring break. Okay. <laughs> they don't mention Tennessee anywhere ever. No, in they're wearing Michigan State yeah. shirts. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They've got Michigan plates. Yeah. There's no whitewater rafting going on around here. Uh, by the, and here's the thing. This is, th- th- there's one thing I love about this and one thing I don't, and that is from the beginning, it starts off with the scare. It doesn't, it starts oh, off yeah. with a shot in the woods. I, but at the same time, they don't have a story. <laughs> it's just, no. let's just kill five kids. Yeah. So, it's a horror film. Yeah, and and we'll talk. I, I got something to say about that later. Uh, they soon run into trouble with Scotty nearly colliding with a truck, then barely getting the group to safety when the bridge leading to the cabin starts to collapse. I don't know about you. If I'm driving this car, this piece of shit car, <laughs> and I see that bridge, I'm going, guys, this cabin's not worth it. I'm not driving across this thing. That's like the Indiana Jones and the Temple Doom Bridge. Oh, yeah. You're not going to walk across that. Not happening. That night. <laughs> While Cheryl is sketching an old clock, she notices it stopping. She hears a faint demonic voice outside her window say, Join us. There you go. It's kind of freaky. After she shrugs it off, her hand becomes possessed, causing her to draw a picture that looks like a book with a deformed evil face. Unsure of what happened and what to do, she decides not to mention the incident to the others, because why would you? Why would you, you know, mention being forced? <laughs> to draw a picture of a book with a face on it. It just seems like one of those things that you would just gloss over. Yeah. It, we're in the middle of the woods, creepy, creepy, creepy cabin. Don't say anything. They're eating dinner one night, and the trap door to the cellar mysteriously flies open. Ash and Scotty go down to investigate because they're stupid. S- seriously, we've now seen three bad choices in less than 15 minutes. Well, they are from Michigan. Thank you. Okay, so they go downstairs, and they find the Naturum de Manto a Sumerian version of the Egyptian Book of the Dead, along with a tape recorder belonging to the archaeologist who owned it, saying, I know now that my wife has become host to a Kandarian demon. I fear that the only way to stop those possessed by the spirits of the book is through the act of bodily dismemberment. I would leave now to avoid this horror, but for myself, I, I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods, and I have no doubt that Whatever I have resurrected through this book is sure to come calling for me. Thanks, Professor Noby. 
I know I'm jumping the gun. Yeah. But I cannot wait to watch the 2016 oh, version. 11. 2011? Yeah. Good Lord. 11 or 13. It's one of I cannot wait <clears throat> to watch that one again. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, Scotty plays it. The archaeologist's voice recites a series of incantations then. Uh, and the girls say, stop playing it. And douchebag McGee says, no, let's keep listening. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? We're only in an empty cabin where all this stuff was found, but no humans are anywhere nearby. Wh- wh- whose cabin? Is- like, how do they know Professor Noby? Do we even? The sister's uncle's cousin's twice removed roommate from college. What does that make us? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Was waiting for it. Okay. <clears throat> uh, resurrected, it resurrects a mysterious demonic entity. It really didn't res- resurrect it. It was already out there. Yeah, which that's, it's number one, it's kind of like The Exorcist. How the fuck you have to that? <laughs> yeah, I got you. You caught it. it's just like the exorcist how did it get over there number one the demon's already out it's already been unleashed i don't know if it has to you know like maybe that's the lure is that you have to say the words in order for it to enter the host and when the you know bodily dismemberment or in the case of the new one you have to be buried alive or burned alive um, maybe the only way it can attach to the host is for the words to be um, uttered again. But at the same time, they didn't utter the words. No. <laughs> so, I mean, the Evil Dead 2013 just did such a good job. Oh, my gosh. So, this all seems horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl becomes increasingly hysterical and locks herself in her room. Later, she hears strange voices and goes outside to investigate. <laughs> investigate said voices in the dark woods. What are you, crazy? Exactly. Yeah. Nobody should be doing this. These are bad choices. Well, she gets what's coming to her. Yeah, well, mean no, 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 she does not. Okay. Meanwhile, Ash, they go to Ash, and Ash gives Linda a silver this is necklace. Why you do not go investigate voices out in the woods. <laughs> Cheryl is then attacked from one of my favorite scenes in and, the entire franchise. And my least favorite. Uh, Cheryl is then attacked and raped by demonically possessed trees, but manages to escape. Funny, she could have just not stood there. <laughs> what? She just I, stood there. <laughs> oh, I know. Trust me. I know. I know. One part that I forgot about is when she's like tired, when the vines like tire down. Yeah. And then a giant, a giant like tree post. Oh, just, it s- just slams into her crotch. Slams into her crotch. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, Sam Raimi clearly doesn't know where the vagina like, is because it's not in the front. It's not like a hole in the front that just goes straight ahead because that's where the angle was. I'm like, no, that I was, kills her. Well, I'm, <laughs> like now that I'm wondering about like Raimi and torturing his cast, like yeah. how hard did he hit her with that thing? I got a feeling that was sped up film. Okay. Yeah, I ha- it has to be. It has to be because it, it's literally, it, it, there's even a thud. Yeah, there is. <laughs> it's literally just. 
I'm like, uh, I'm a little confused. Well, this is what I didn't like. First of all, you've got the scene. It starts off where she's just standing there, and then the things start to go up her legs. I'm like, why isn't she running? And no, she's, no, no. She's no, she's not. She has just. Are you talking about the actual? When they quote unquote penetration? No, when they first grab her. Okay, when they first grab her, yes. Yeah. Yes. Then she is, she has her legs spread apart. Yep. It slams her in the crotch, and then she starts, you hear moans of enjoyment. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Oh, it's, it's so beyond over the top. Oh, it's, yeah. It, yeah. You know me, I, I really like over the top. I, I know you do. (laughs) Uh, she, she, she runs back, and she's unable to convince the others of what happened. You would think the splinters in her vag would might, might tell them. Or... What the hell happened to you, Cheryl? What's the matter with you? Did something in the woods do this to you? No, it was the woods themselves. <laughs> They're alive, actually. The trees. They're alive. That sounds like the girl from uh, The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm not saying these are great actors here, okay? <laughs> no, all I'm thinking about is Dorothy being raped by, by the trees. magical trees. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so she's unable to convince them, and Ash says, hey, I'm going to take her into town for the evening. They get to the bridge, and the bridge has been destroyed. Not just destroyed, literally gone, and you couldn't even rebuild this thing. It's... Uh, the the struts are actually lifted up out of the ground and curled inward. Uh, so there is no way this thing's being made. Back at the cabin, Ash listens to more of the tape, learning that the only way to kill the entity, entity is to dismember it when it possesses a host. Cheryl succumbs to the entity and attacks the others, stabbing Linda in the ankle with a pencil before Scotty is able to force her into the cellar. Uh, not just stabbing, mind you. Stab and turn? <laughs> turn and twist. And you can see the Play-Doh did not enjoy that. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's such a... It, here's the thing. If you got more money, you can make a better effect. I get that this is what they could make on uh, $300,000. That being said, it doesn't look good. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, it looks like a student film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back at the... Okay, so... but. But at the same time, this is the early 80s. It's the early 80s, but there's a lot of things in this that when you think of like, oh, yeah, I sent my child to film school and they made this film. Look at it. And you're like, wow, this is this is it. <laughs> I really want to <laughs> Sam Raimi presenting his first feature film to his parents. Yes. <laughs> well, hey, have- mom. Hey, dad. I made my my debut directorial film finally here it is yeah 78 minutes later oh okay christ (laughs) (laughs) it's meant to be a metaphor (laughs) shelly becomes possessed as well forcing scotty to chop up her body with an axe and bury the remains shaken by the experience he leaves to find a way back to town he says to the he says to Ash, she's not my problem. That's your girlfriend. <laughs> yep. Best line in that entire film. I I, I will. That's the first smart thing. Yeah. That somebody anybody in this group has said or done. Yeah. She's not my problem. That's your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Leave her ass. The and this is also the first time I think that we get to see blood over a camera lens. When he's chopping yeah. her, we see the blood over the camera lens. Showing the madness of the house. 
Uh, we'll see that shot a few more times, actually, with the film sh- the film screen and all that. And, mm-hmm. Which, little metaphor there. Hey, I make a bloody film. Ha, 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 ha. When Ash goes to check on Linda, he's horrified to find that she has already begun to turn. A- Is this the one that starts cackling like a Cupid doll? Yes. Okay, so I should probably play this one. Oh, she's still so creepy. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> A badly injured Scotty staggers into the cabin and dies of his wounds, having been attacked by the trees. While Ash tries to figure out what to do, both Linda and Cheryl pretend to be cured, only to quickly revert to their demonic forms. This is where the movie stops being a horror movie to me. Because it was horror until this. And now it turns into camp. It's a gory camp. And I don't know if I like that. Like, Evil Dead 2 embraces it. They go, listen, we're making a horror comedy, okay? <laughs> this is what it's going to be. But this started off in such a way, I, I think the goal was to make that one girl, the one that cackled a second ago, seem creepy. But in the end, she just seemed freaking funny. <laughs> and the one uh, talking to him through the cellar door, come on, Ashy, come on, lover boy. You're like, Oh, this isn't scary. If I was in the house, I would not be scared of this. I'd be like, <laughs> and which is kind of funny because in Evil Dead Two, we get into the big laughing scene. Yep, where even the the deer, the dead moose on the wall, or the moose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While Ash tries, okay, so Ash locks Linda outside. <laughs> okay, but she returns and tries to stab him before he impales her with a dagger. He tries now, to cut. Yeah. Before we go any further, I believe this is the scene. Um, it might have been the other guy. It might, I think it's this scene. Either way, when you try to impale somebody mm-hmm. with a dagger, why reach around to their <laughs> back and pull the knife through them towards yourself? Um, he literally... Reaches around yeah. inst- instead of just a classic stabbing, pulls it through her almost. Almost killing him. <laughs> I don't get it, but whatever. These are directorial choices that will get refined later on in the series, I think. <laughs> um Ash, okay, so she locks it. Yeah. Uh, when he reaches for her necklace on the ground, she escapes again trying to kill him. Ash decapitates her with a shovel and her headless body bleeds all over Ash's face as it tries to rape him before he escapes. What the hell? (laughs) Back in the cabin, he quickly realizes that Cheryl has forced open the trap door. Oh, God. Now I got to deal with this crap. After wounding her with a shotgun, his boomstick. His boomstick. He heads to the basement for more ammunition. There, the entity tortures him by dousing him with blood from a pipe while more blood seeps from the walls and ceilings. I really like where this leads to in Evil Dead 2, honestly. Oh, it's great. Like, Bruce Campbell seems so together at the beginning of this movie. Oh, yeah. And by the end, you can tell he's had enough mentally. Yeah, no. He's he's damaged. Yeah. (laughs) Scotty is revived as a demon and attacks Ash when he goes back upstairs while Cheryl savagely beats him with a fireplace poker. <laughs> no one here is here's the thing when you think of demons you're like okay they're gonna rip you apart they're gonna eat you all they're doing is beating him up they're punching him slapping him beating him this is this is goofy 
<laughs> well, also, you know, uh, I you know I can't speak for demons because <laughs> I'm whatever, not one. I'm right? not one. Yeah, but you don't want to kill them too fast, or else the fun's over. <laughs> they're laughing and hitting him with the ball. Yeah, <laughs> they're getting enjoyment out of beating him. Of course they are. <laughs> it makes sense. Oh, you bastards. Why are you torturing me like this? Why? <laughs> and then I realized Nightmare on Elm Street totally jacked that. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's see. Uh, Ash... Uh, Ash gets his hands on the book with Linda's necklace and throws it into the fireplace. As the book burns, Scotty and Cheryl begin to gruesomely decompose and their blood sprays all over Ash as he stares in horror and disgust. After Scotty and Cheryl are dead, Ash hears the voice of the demons telling him to... There you go. As the voice dies away as well, Ash grabs Linda's necklace in gratitude. Thank you for killing. We want to give a little gratitude. <laughs> yeah. Covered in the blood of his friends and sister, Ash stumbles outside as the sun begins to rise. Before he can get to his car to leave, a surviving entity attacks him from behind. The very last shot of the film is Ash letting out a final scream of terror before the film cuts abruptly to the ending credits and leading to a sequel just six short years later. <laughs> And that's the end of the film. Yeah, truly amazing. Uh, according to our good people at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter rating of 95%. Uh, Pat yourself on the back for that one. <laughs> the critics on average give this film an 8 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I know. <laughs> the, <Seriously? laughs> I'm not lying. The audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, is a 3.7 out of 5, with 84% agreeing it's a 3 or higher, which is getting closer to what I think it is. Uh, did, the, <laughs> did the awards get it right? Well, yes. there were no nominations for the Academy Awards or Golden Globes. So I'm going to say, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Sam, what did you think after watching this film? I mean, this movie's great. Yeah. Just great, period. Um, it's just entertaining all the way through. The girl, the laughing girl still creeps me out. So uh, yeah. it, it holds up still. Uh, this is entertaining. It's campy and entertaining. It's nostalgically pleasing. Yes. I would say that. It's nostalgically pleasing because it is so hard when I was trying to grade this thing to get out of my nostalgia bubble. Because I love this movie. Oh, yeah. But I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we pick our top three things we love or scenes that we like in this movie. And then we choose three things we dislike about the film and or that we find the weakest. Let's start with the top three. Sam, what are your top three things that you want to highlight in this movie? <laughs> All right. Number three is The Rape by Vines. <laughs> it's over the top. It takes it to a whole new level. It's just great. Yeah, exactly. Opens the door for other horror films to yes. really come out swinging. Uh, the sound design, the sound effects were amazing. Even, they still hold up. They the sound, sound does. Yeah, the sound does. It's great. Um, and then the effects, <laughs> they're so good. They're so bad that they're so good. <laughs> and I'm just a sucker for... Which is funny because it leads to your bottom three, actually. Yeah. <laughs> which we'll get to. What was your favorite bad effect in this? 
Probably the ankle. The ankle? <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I just laugh every time. I think mine was when they first lock Cheryl in the trap door and you see a puppet Cheryl oh, popping yeah. up. <laughs> uh, okay, my number three, I love the imagery in this film. Every scene is laced with spooky and unsettling imagery if you are from any version of city life. Uh, my number two, the sound of this movie is a character, just like The Exorcist. Clocks, bells, creaks, and of course the... Join us. Wait, I better do it right. Join us. Oh, that was, <laughs> that was good. Here, do that again. Join us. Dude, you're a dead ringer for that sound. That was pre- impressive. Uh, my number one, it may not be the original Cabin in the Woods movie, but it's definitely the most iconic. And it's because this movie doesn't build a backstory. It just starts from the get-go. The movie doesn't pretend to be something it isn't. It isn't a movie This is just to tell a final girl movie, but it's final ash. This is like a haunted house. You don't have a story. You don't have anything. It's just this is the events that are going to take place. I'll also say this, though. This movie is not the reason why Bruce Campbell is famous. It's Evil Dead 2 that made Campbell famous. Absolutely. Okay. On to the bottom three. Timed event. Sam, what's your three? (laughs) Go ahead. Like I said, my number one was that the effects are so bad that they're great. They're just so bad. They're so <laughs> bad. And I'm wondering where all the budget went. Suck. 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 <laughs> uh, number two, the acting. Uh, it's, look, it's his first film. He's got friends working for him. He's got family working for him. Got to do whatever he's got to do. I'm wondering where that budget went. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it all went to Bruce Campbell. Like, I'm going to pay you, buddy. <laughs> and then um, at the same time, uh, see, this is like the effects. It's so, it's so great. It's so bad. It's so great. It's so unrealistic with their decisions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is a horror. This is, a, this is like a, scare, uh, a haunted house. It's just a ride. Okay. It doesn't. It's, it's unrealistic. It's, but at the same time, it's it's a scary movie. It's supposed to be unrealistic. It's, it's, right? Yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be real. Un, but then evil, like his his two thousand third. Let me. There's so many. I quote here, that. Hold on. Here's the thing. There's so many things in a horror movie that have to remain realistic for in order for it to be sellable. Two thousand thirteen. And this movie treads that line, almost sometimes bends over it. Yes. But yeah. Okay, my number three, the acting is awful in this. <laughs> the actor's choices to the line reading, the direction of the acting. Listen, this is Sam Raimi's first film. We're not expecting him to do Godfather right away. This is a stepping stone to his career. Uh, number two, and you're not going to like this, the tree rape scene is a little much. Uh, oh, I know it's over the top. You could have done a tree attack scene that didn't include that. I get that it's a different type of frightening than we are used to, but it's not necessarily a needed concept. Not to mention, she just stands there as the tree branches first come at her. This is not believable. Uh, now, in Evil Dead, the 2013 version, she is running. Oh, I, I keep wanting to bring that up. Yeah. And my number one, the story exists because of choices that most regular human beings would never make. Going down in a cellar that popped itself open, running into the spooky woods to investigate, join us, and continuing to play a recording that upsets the ladies. Dude, if you're out there on a vacation with your woman and she says, hey, don't play that, that. you're not getting laid if you continue no. to play the recording. Who's the audience for this movie, Sam? Horror fans. Um, fans of classic horror films. 
Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's about it. Uh, minor diehard horror fans who enjoy the history of the genre, and that is it. Yeah. Truly, that is it. <laughs> uh, it's time for the movie report card, though. Sam, what'd you give it? I gave it a B plus. <laughs> I gave it a B plus. But after hearing about the making, it's now an A. I had you all actually, set for a B plus. Honestly, I actually, was like, there it is, B plus. Actually, you know what? Now that I'm, I'm going through the scheme of things. Mm. I'm going to give it a B plus because it's not on the level of Evil Dead 2 and it's not nearly on the level as the 2013 Evil Dead. Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. So you're a B plus. I'm going to give it a B plus because now that I'm going through the grand scheme of, of this franchise, it's not quite where two other movies are and I can't put them in the same grade. Okay. Fair enough. We did the same thing with Toy Story, honestly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is a movie that is strictly for people who either A, love horror and enjoy seeing the origins of certain tropes and or director's choices that happen in movies today, or B, people who want to see Sam Raimi's first film. If you appreciate those things, then you can see the beauty in this film. The camera angles are legendary from the evil force in the woods perspective shots to the fast and tight zoom shots to the strapping people down on a slab to cut them to pieces stutter shots. All of these are Sam Raimi discovering his style in his first film, and you see them in all of his films later on. Obviously, he'll perfect it later, but it's pretty cool to see the origin. When it came to the story, I have a feeling the conversation went like this. You want to play Sam? Yes. Okay, Sam, go. All right, I've got an idea for a movie. I'm the producer. Okay, go. Five kids stuck in a cabin in the woods, and they all get destroyed by a malevolent force. Okay, who's the hero? Um, you don't really know him. His name is Bruce. Okay. Who are the other kids? Um, you don't really know them. <laughs> don't worry about that. It's just Bruce. Just focus on Bruce. Are they good actors? Good enough, I think. What's the story going to be? No story. <laughs> just kids in a, just a kids in a, five kids in a cabin and in the woods. And it'll be gross, weird, and six years from now, because it's so low budget, it'll be called Campy with Reverence. So we have to wait six years before this is considered good. Yeah. No. <laughs> if you're wondering why this movie took so long to get financing, it's because there isn't much there. However, that's also the beauty of it. It doesn't bog you down in getting to know these people. It just starts knocking them off. Watching this movie for the hundredth time, I hate the acting. But for some reason, I love the sound and the old effects. This is a horror art film, not a horror movie. It's seen as campy by today's standards, but back then it was just called low budget. Evil Dead 2 turns this art into a motion picture, but we'll get to that later. Look, I won't recommend this movie to everyone. Hell, I wouldn't recommend this movie to most people under the age of 30. Whereas The Exorcist has aged wonderfully, this movie has aged like milk that's been sitting out of the refrigerator. It is truly, by all definitions, a cult classic, and one of the largest at that. So what do I grade this as? Is this a great horror movie, or is it necessary stepping stone that helped bridge the gap towards the next phase of great horror? Well, I'm going to go by the standard I set with the movie It. A good horror movie can balance story and the scares. This movie has no story, but it still has some genuine jump scares that still scare the shit out of me. I appreciate what this film is, and as an art film, it might be a B plus or A minus for nostalgia or film students, but for the casual viewer, as a movie, I'm giving this a C minus. 
below average, but barely below average. That being said, when we get to Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2, we're going to see some higher grades, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, so a C minus and a B plus, that gives us what? A C, C plus? B, B minus, plus. C plus. B minus, C plus. I'll go B minus. That's a fair grade. Let's, yeah, B minus. Very fair grade. I like that. Okay, on to the, if the movie was released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? This is about how much you enjoyed it. Buy it with the collection. The collection of three or four? Four. Okay. I'm a cheap ass. <laughs> I also am going to buy this. I can rip this movie apart, but I enjoy the hell out of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, I buy it. This is a cult classic I love. It's not for everyone, but it's definitely for me. Uh, so I dig it. It's kind of like Weekend at Bernie's. It's a shitty movie, but I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we will continue our look at the Evil Dead franchise with Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn for the Horror Pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean, and give us a four- or five-star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They're included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening and happy movie watching.